is summer. You know what that means. Sprinklers are buzzing, popsicles are melting, and the Consumed Podcast is on your speakers for that road trip you've dreamed of taking. This is the show that features conversations with eaters, thinkers, drinkers, and makers on California's Central Coast. And I am your host, Jamie Lewis. Thanks for letting me tag along. Before we start, I want to tell you a little bit about some of the sponsors of the Consumed Podcast. Consumed is sponsored by Mid-State Containers, cargo storage containers, and refrigerated shipping containers for sale and rent in California. You may not understand how Mid-State Containers could change your life, but the truth is many, many guests on the Consumed podcast use Mid-State for their projects. Containers can serve as wine storage units for case goods for private collections and even tasting rooms. They can be refrigerated storage containers for breweries, kegs, and fruit during harvest for wineries. Mid-State Containers outfits coolers and freezers for ranchers, farmers market growers, orchards, and butchers. Containers can make great pop-up coffee bars and berry containers for root sellers. My guest from Season 10, Krista Flieger from Lonely Palm Ranch, uses her Mid-State Container for an office on her property. Other ideas include schoolrooms, music and photography studios, and there are other things that can be grown, stored, and processed in a Mid-State Container, so use your imagination and get on their website to request a quote, midstatecontainers.com. Slow Life Magazine is the publication that spotlights local people, places, culture, and flavor. That's where I come in. I'm the food columnist for Slow Life, and my most recent story featured the Alchemist's Garden in Paso Robles, right on City Park. It's a whimsical restaurant with high ceilings, plants everywhere, like everywhere, and a bright green neon sign that says, what you imagine, you create. The food is really tasty, but the elegant cocktails here are the bells of the ball. Get your copy of Slow Life to learn more by visiting slowlifemagazine.com. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining local, organic, and non-GMO standards. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. With a mission to empower health and well-being in the community, they offer local produce, meats, low-to-no-waste foods, and wellness items. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. Okay, on to the episode. Rusty Quirk is a chef and the owner of Linnea's Cafe in downtown San Luis Obispo. If you've spent any time in Slow since 1984, you probably remember the little cafe with the long walk to a leafy back patio with a koi pond. Linnea's is one of a rare breed of small, family-owned businesses in Slow that have retained their original charm for decades. It's a cozy, simple place where the focus falls more on fostering relationships and art than on getting esoteric with the coffee. And now, with Rusty at the helm, it's going to have even more delicious pastries, too. She has served as pastry chef at Hotel Slow, Bells in Los Alamos, and Bar La Cote in Los Olivos. By the way, I butchered the pronunciation of that restaurant in our interview, and Rusty was gracious enough not to correct me. Anyway, it's Bar La Cote, mea culpa. Here she talks about her experiences on the line in kitchens from New York to California, her background in graphic design, and how her musician husband is helping to boost the musical offerings at the cafe. 
Here is Rusty Quirk. All right. So your name, as I understand, I mean, it sounds like your your birth certificate name is Caitlin. Yes. Yes. But you go by Rusty. I do go by Rusty. Um, I, I prefer Rusty. It's a name that I've always felt more drawn to. My um, maiden name is Rusnak. And so growing oh. up, people called me Rusty. Um, and it's just something that has stuck around through adulthood and something I I, yeah, I like a little better. Okay, so then there's your last name, which is so unique too. So Rusty Quirk mm-hmm. is the best name. Oh, thank you. But I wasn't sure if I should call you that because it was like, is it, how could this be real? I know. I, I do get that a lot, and it's it's difficult because people call, and they're confused <laughs> who's answering. And I'm like, oh, well, it's, it's all the same person. So, you know, there might be a reason to take more drastic name-changing measures in the future, but for now, no, no, I get it's by. wonderful. It's totally wonderful. Um, well, so I, I think the first time I encountered you was I was writing a story for 805 Living, and I can't actually remember what it was on, uh, something pastry-oriented, and you were at Hotel Slow, mm-hmm. and um, I don't think you'd been there long. I don't think the hotel had been open long. Yeah, I was at the hotel um, about a year and nine months. I was the opening... Um, pastry chef for the Mm -hmm. property. Um, and yeah, we opened in, I believe September or October of 2019. Yes. Of course, you know, that sounds about right. Yeah. COVID and everything after that. Um, yeah. So, so that job that you did, um, and I really don't remember how I came across you. If somebody pointed me toward you or what, but if I remember correctly, was that the first time you'd been in San Luis? Uh, no. So I okay. originally can't, came to Slow um, for Cal Poly. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What'd you study? Graphic communication. Oh, good old building is at 39. Possibly. I should, I should know. I was, <laughs> no, no, I was okay. very involved with the major. Yeah. Um, and I worked in um, digital marketing, social media for uh, two years in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, actually primarily focusing on hospitality, but I decided that I'd rather work in hospitality than just market it. So yeah. I made the switch. Wow. Okay. So is, what are the roots of the, the, the cooking, the pastry, the hospitality, where does that come from? Um, so throughout high school and college, I always worked in hospitality and, and food has always been, um, in good ways and bad, an obsession of mine. Um, and so I think I also found a lot of joy in cooking, even, um, not as an occupation. It was something that brought me a lot of joy. Um, and so I think that's just slowly over time, it became like, oh, well, this is what I want to spend my time mm-hmm. and life doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it was a, a gradual transition from a passion into, you know, what it is now is uh, a life's work in a lot of ways. But Mm -hmm. um, I think food is important to everyone in a lot of ways. It just depends how much time you want to commit to it. Yeah. So, and I want to come back to you Mm -hmm. saying, you know, for better or for worse, it's been an obsession. How Mm -hmm. has it been? I don't care about the for better. How about the for worse? Um, I think like a lot of uh, women my age, um, food has been a difficult thing. You know, we weren't always treated that food was good for us or something that we should indulge in. Um, and so I think growing up, um, you know, I, I've, I've 
been able to get past this actually through working in food, but you know, I was pretty obsessed with food, but in a restrictive way and Mm -hmm. using it as a rewarding way. So, um, it's something that was started as pretty much not a positive, but ended up teaching me a lot about food and and allowing me to grow from there and move on from those thoughts that were not really helpful. I have that too. That's Mm -hmm. part of my, that's how I got into food was through, um, well, gosh, I don't think I've ever shared this on here, but, uh, and I don't want to take time away from your story, but that's so interesting. And I really thank you for sharing that. We don't know each other at all, really. And for you to share that's awesome. Um, I never cared too much about food other than, I mean, a lot of the time I was bingy, mm-hmm. um, but I had always had this obsession with losing weight. And so, um, you know, whether I needed to or not, and there was a book that came out, French Women Don't Get Fat. And I read, and I loved to travel. I'd spent a lot of time in Europe and really loved it. And so this book came out and I was at the Barnes and Noble in Slow. This is so long ago. And, um, was reading this book and I was like, Oh man, this, it's not just about, losing weight. It's about taking pleasure in your food and that the natural byproduct of doing so is that, you know, you need less and less. Um, so, you know, two sides of the coin. One is, oh, beautiful food. What is that? And, you know, discovering it, making it, indulging in it. But then also this less and less concept Mm -hmm. was pretty dangerous actually. Um, and so, yeah, I was eating incredible. I mean, I don't know what clean food is anymore, but at the time we'd call it really clean, but there just wasn't much of it. Mm -hmm. And so there's some really, I, I owe my interest in food to that. Um, but I also owe a lot of pretty disordered thoughts and disordered eating to that too. Definitely. And I, I had a similar experience. Um, yeah, reading a book and I was, um, that, promoted veganism. I think it was called skinny bitch. And, um, oh, yes, yeah. yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> and I was vegan for a really long time. And that is why I started cooking is because my, I was vegan in high school and my parents were like, well, we're, we're not going to cook vegan. Yeah. I grew up in South Carolina. That was not really even a concept <laughs> there at the time. Um, and so I, so that's where I began cooking, began learning how to cook vegetables, which is still extremely important yes. to me. Um, but along the way I did have to drop that, um, that mentality, um, for this rigidity of veganism because, um, it, it was allowing me to excuse my restrictive Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I now eat everything, but, and, and think veganism is really an important way for us to experience, um, food, I think more people should go towards plant-based, but, um, also I think as a culture, we have this restrictiveness where it's like, you know, if it's not perfectly vegan, if a person's not perfectly vegan, then it doesn't count. Then they're not vegan. Yeah. And I, I just don't think that's fair. It's not helpful. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, veganism also though, I mean, anytime you restrict, I, I think that restriction can be very helpful as a cook. You know, I mean, the recipes that I've gotten from you for a couple of stories I've done have, I think both of them had some element of either like vegan or they were some kind of an alternative diet. Um, And something I love about that is it does spark creativity. You have to think creatively and work around different kinds of things and test and test and test. Um, 
So there is that. I mean, it's not, it's funny. It's not all bad. Um, these obsessive things they do, or I should speak for myself. They've given me things that are so valuable and a whole career really. Mm -hmm. But then there's also this side that can get really messy and not quite healthy. Yeah. And I feel like for the most part, I've been able to overcome that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think us cooking in the kitchen can all do better at feeding ourselves. And that's something that we are just pretty bad at, but in general, yeah, that mentality I've been very lucky to be able to move past them. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, now that we've got that out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so South Carolina, why did you wind up at Poly? Um, I was really wanted to do that major. I wanted to do something artistic, but still have something, um, that was more business oriented. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't want to go to the school in my state that had that major. So I decided to come across the country. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's pretty hard to turn down San Luis Obispo once you see it, but no other relationship, like family here, nothing. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always been someone, uh, a wanderer, I guess. Um, but that being said, I didn't know I would stay here. Um, I met my husband during my last year of Cal Poly. Uh, he grew up in Los Osos Mm. and, um, I was able to drag him to New York, (laughs) drag him to Denver, but we always somehow find our way back here. Yeah. Yes. And in New York, is that somewhere you had wanted to go? Is that a goal of yours to go? I mean, it's, it's like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it. I personally could live there for a very long time, but, um, Alex, my husband, you know, after growing up, going to high school, like on the ocean, yeah. the lack of trees and nature was, he's spoiled. Yeah. Spoiled yeah. for life. Yes. yes. I know. Yeah. You know, I, um, I grew up here, but my, um, and I was very happy. I lived in New York too. And I was so happy to be in cities and, um, I could really, I'm not a country mouse or a city mouse. I could do either way. But when we lived in San Francisco, my husband was like, Mm-mm. no more. He is, he, the trees were a huge thing for him. He's like, there's yeah. no trees here. I'm not going to hang out in the park all day. Um, so yeah, we ended up back here also. It's hard. It's hard to beat. It is hard to beat. All right. So, um, you came, you worked at hotel slow. Um, how did the pastry route happen? Was it something you chose or was it like they were looking for someone like that? So you just dove in? Um, I ended up choosing pastry. Uh, I was first working as a a line cook, both in New York and actually back here in slow. I I was uh, at blue heron in Los Osos for a while, which was lovely. Um, but you get to a point and you're hotline cooking and you are, you need to process proteins. And that was something at the time I was not necessarily, Mm. not just comfortable with, I was fine doing it, but it just wasn't something that interested me. Yeah. So I, I decided to go the pastry route, which, you know, I also wasn't very good at cooking steaks. So, uh, (laughs) it was a good choice for everyone. Mm. Um, I, I did, what I, I consider a lot of my training in uh, Denver, I worked at the Four Seasons there that had uh, everyone on the team was really well trained. Um, and I learned, I just learned a lot about a wide variety of pastry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the really nice thing about hotels is that you do chocolate work mm-hmm. and you do um morning base, uh, pastries, you do restaurant, you do banquet. So mm-hmm. you really hit everything. Breads and yeah. all. Yeah. It, it's 
it all takes place there, show pieces. So mm-hmm. uh, I really uh, count that as something that taught me a lot. Yeah. The, um, Chef Paul Kwong downtown talks about, he's opened numerous Four Seasons, and he talks about how hotel work is like that full, you get the full range mm-hmm. of not just um, experience, but training, you know, under people. Did you ever do school for culinary? No. No, for I you. I love it. Yeah. yeah. It's I, not I, necessary. I mean, not for everybody, I don't think. Yeah, not for everyone. I think it's something that is nice if you're able to do it, especially for pastry, because there are specialized yeah. skills that are pretty difficult to learn on the job. You have to find someone that's willing to teach you. But mm-hmm. what I found is that if you are trainable and if you are working hard, mm-hmm. then people are going to be willing to do that, even if you don't have the skills yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so now, I mean, I'm jumping forward, but the fact that you now are, um, you own a business that's customer facing. So you own Linnea's cafe now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's pretty different from working in a hotel where you're kind of stuffed away doing your thing. And now you are, you know, talking to people at the, at the counter. Has that been a comfortable transition? Uh, it definitely, it, it's different for sure. I get, um, more, I guess, interacting with so many people is a little challenging for me just because I'm pretty introverted. I enjoy it, but it takes a lot more energy for me. I did work in the front of the house, uh, before I worked in the back of the house, I was a server, Mm -hmm. um, hostess, busser, everything. You could be barista, but it's a nice return and it's what I really wanted um, as a business owner is to be a part of a community and you, you don't always sense that working in a kitchen, you have your own kitchen community, but it's not with the community at large. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And you cannot pick a more community oriented place than Linnea's. Yes, that is true. What, so, I mean, there's a huge thing in between here, which is working Mm -hmm. at Bell's of course, but, um, but with Linnea's, were you drawn to it because did they ask you, did they approach you or did you see it on the market? Um, I saw it, I think my friend saw a Reddit post and of a Facebook (laughs) post and, told me and it it was a shock to me. I didn't, I didn't, um, expect it, but it felt right to me. Um, just because what Alex and I have always talked about was, um, a third place. We've, we've talked about owning a coffee shop because that has been our third place. And what Mm -hmm. essentially a third place is, is someone or some place that is not your work, not your home, but it's another place that your life is lived out. And, um, during the pandemic, that was particularly mm. important to me. Um, I love field day. We lived a couple blocks away mm. and we would walk there um, when they were in their older space. And it was such a place of solace. And mm. um, so we, we were always planning to um, have a restaurant, bakery, cafe um, that functioned in that for people. And Linnea's is you know, beyond what we could have hoped for with that. Um, one, because there is a community already built into it. So many people have been coming for 39 years or 20 years or 10 years and, um, have, have fostered connections there, but it's also a physical space that people should spend time in. And that's really important to me. I'm very spatially oriented and, um, I find that Though we have the most beautiful weather and the most beautiful atmosphere here, there's 
not an abundance of places where you can spend time outdoors doing what I like to do, which is eat and drink. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, also Linnaeus has an like a, an OG San Luis Obispo thing going. It's one of the few places that does anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that place for so many reasons. Um, but I remember I was talking to, I'm not the only one. I was talking to Marianne who owned it two owners ago, um, for a story once. And she said that people come in and say, we named our daughter Linnea. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we, we named such and such, you know, we had our, my husband and I had our, um, I think it was our engagement photos taken there. A a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. It's just a really important place. And it isn't just because it's not just because of what's served there, which has always been great, but it's about a level of intimacy there that you don't get anywhere else. And when I was a kid growing up, um, in South County, we'd come up to Linnea's to hang out. They used to call it the garden street misfits, all the kids waiting in line to get into slow brew to see a show. They would wait in line, but they would send a friend over to Linnea's to get coffee, whatever. And everybody'd hang out after it was open late and Mm -hmm. it wasn't a bar. Yeah. And that's really, really unusual after COVID. I don't know what the hours are like. I don't know that, um, that it could sustain that level of, you know, paying people to stay to work it, but it was so important in that way. It was like a living room. It was a third space for sure. Yeah. And, and that's just really important to us. Um, and though, yeah, like you said, offerings have changed over time. Um, and how much I think that it is important to have a good product being the food, coffee, whatever else yeah. you serve. Um, for me, that isn't the most important thing. Yay. It, it, it's, yeah, that, that people feel comfortable being there and that they are making memories there, that they are meeting people, that they are seeing music, mm-hmm. re- reading poetry. And I think, um, yeah, in modern days, we don't have so many places like that where you can expect those cultural things to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would really hope to return to kind of Linnea's original vision yes. for this space. Um, and, and so, and continue to carry that out. Yes, totally. And it's set up to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that's right. And you've been having, I mean, Linnea's is one of the few places that had, has had continuous art shows, always something being shown and mm-hmm. excellent stuff too. Not, um, I mean, I'm, there are some coffee shops where it's like the one photo of like a rusty fence and you're like, really? it's great, mm-hmm. but it's been sitting there for years and it's not really an art show anymore. And Linnaeus has this constant, you know, um, a circulation of really awesome stuff. And with that and with, um, musicians coming and playing, I, I don't know if you realize how important it is, the, the service you provide to those artists, too, because uh, I've talked to two different musicians I can think of in the past year who were like, oh, if Linnaeus hadn't existed, if it had not had a stage where you could come and play without having to pay, I don't know if that's the same now, but you could come and play, you could kind of pass the hat, and that would be it, that they wouldn't have had you know, a musical career. Yeah. We've talked to several people who, um, have come in and are much bigger artists now that said, this is the first place we played a show. Yep. Um, and that's really cool to me. My, my husband's a musician too. Mm -hmm. Um, 
he sometimes he's has a festival this weekend he has to go play so he's leaving me on my oh, own so he's like a big guy that's his full-time job yeah yeah oh well, my gosh you know right now it's it's a little balanced more towards Linnea's way but yes um, right but yes that's his um full-time career and mm. um yeah he has several things he just booked another festival today which is amazing and we're mm. really doing our best to keep that um going he the first weekend or the second weekend we were open, he had a tour in Portland that we were really committed to him going to. So that adds an extra element, but also I think it gives us perspective on um, the importance of the space and yeah, seeing and, and supporting the musicians that yes. play there and having um, also a wide variety of those things that you can see there. We, we've had a good bit of jazz, but we also have experimental, mm-hmm. singer-songwriter, funk. Um, and I think the different uh, groups and crowds that those bring is amazing to see because you just have like all different people mm-hmm. existing in the space. And that's what I really like is this like... Mm this diversity that we can create. It's funny. I, I'm not, I'm not woo woo at all. Okay. Not at all. But as you're talking, I'm picturing you and I've never met your husband, but I picture like you with your food background, your interest in community, him with his music background, obviously his interest in community and you guys owning this little cafe until you're old and just building this thing that, um, has a lot uh, that creates something greater than the sum of its parts, you know? That's, is that the vision? I mean, yes, that yeah. that is certainly the hope. And even that is uh, sometimes a, two, a double-edged sword for me, too, is because, yeah, this is a lifelong project, but, you know, um, it's definitely not to that end goal yet. We have a lot we're working on now. Yes. Um, a lot that don't meet our expectations as far as, like, the product side. Yeah. Um, and... And yeah, more things that we would like the space to be. So it, it's sometimes hard now being like, well, you know, this is, we're three, four months into a, yeah, 25 plus year project, you know, it's <laughs> yes. going to be okay. <laughs> it is going to be okay. Totally. And people are happy to support it right where it is right now. Um, so, I mean, yes, if it doesn't meet your standards yet, I mean, I, you seem like somebody who maybe that would be, you know, it's always, the standard is always ahead of you. Um, but, but you can take comfort in knowing that right now it's, it is what it needs to be right now for sure. Yeah. And I think it's, um, just, yeah. Um, personal growth in general of, of being, yeah. Okay. With the present moment and yeah. Knowing and trusting that, you know, I, I, I know what to do and that like mm-hmm. things are going to work out as they should, which, yeah, I, yeah. I like to <laughs> figure it out. Um, and I know that that, uh, Linnaeus has always had need for, um, you know, bakers and I've known some people who worked uh, in the baking staff, um, and I know it's always a struggle to keep people because it's hard. It's a hard it's a hard job. Um, and you're waking up at whatever four in the morning. Um, are you keeping that same model though of, isn't there a separate space yeah, for baking? Yeah. So we have a commercial kitchen off site. Uh, we have three bakers right now. Excellent. Um, yeah. And we, we would, we, since we have the space, we'd like to expand as the business expands, um, offer more, uh, both pastry, maybe do a little more wholesale. Um, but also, you know, uh, yeah, it's 
see where that part of the business grows. We've yeah. been really lucky. Um, we've had all, all of our staff stay on and, Yay. um, yeah, we're able even to grow in a couple baristas and such. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we've been very, very lucky. That's awesome. That's great. Well, so you were at Bell's with, um, uh, Daisy and Greg Ryan, and then they opened Bar Lakote while you were there. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did that come about? I mean, did you know about them? You'd been down there and tasted everything. And, yes. Or did you know them personally already? Um, I didn't know them personally already. I did go down for dinner um, about six months before I applied. Uh, and it was the best food I'd had in a very long time. <laughs> but kind of like uh, the space that they created was also really important. Yes. Um, I don't think, I think everyone has this idea of creating a sense of place now, but it's become such a buzzword that no one's really doing it successfully. Mm-hmm. But I think it's something that Daisy and Greg wholly understand, uh, you know, these restaurants are their life and they yeah. bring so much life to them. And, um, they've also done so well for their staff. And that's something that, um, I identified And I said, oh, you know, I want to own a business like that one day. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to take care of the people that work for me. And I want to create a place that people want to spend their time, not just because of product that they're consuming. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I... Uh, How do they, when you say they take care of their staff, what does that mean? I mean, can you give me... So I I came in contact with them during COVID. um, And at that time they had... um, started offering all their staff, uh, healthcare, which is pretty rare in the restaurant Very, industry. Yeah. Uh, they also, um, we, they have the, the no tipping model mm-hmm. or service included model where, um, it, uh, there's a 20% service fee, but you know, this allows them to provide, provide the things like healthcare, but also, um, you know, the kitchen being paid as Mm -hmm. well as service staff, which is also pretty rare in this industry. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I think through their leadership, they've really done that. Um, working for Daisy, um, is, was a really incredible experience for me. She's a leader that, you know, um, makes everyone feel comfortable and excited to be there Mm -hmm. and definitely, um, works harder than, than anyone Mm -hmm. I know. So being, um, able to set that example and, you know, working in the business and, and adding so much care was something that was really important to me and why I first applied there. Yeah. She's so smart. Well, and they both are. Um, she also has such a specific style. Mm -hmm. I feel like she knows exactly what she's about. And so executing that vision is not difficult. I mean, I'm not saying it's not hard work, but it's, um, it's more, I guess, uh, it's clearer. Mm -hmm. She has a really distinct idea of where things should go. Yeah. And that helps everybody around her. I, I, yeah, I've always thought that is that, yeah, her vision is very strong Mm -hmm. and, uh, that what she also taught me was that, you know, having taste is really important, you know, and that, um, you know, it's not just about technical skill or about, um, you know, all the like grunt work you put into it, but it's about 
doing things in an artful way that Mm -hmm. you think are beautiful. And I think that really comes across in her food. Uh, It's a place where, you know, this isn't just food. This is art, but not because, you know, there's eight people picking leaves off microgreens, you know, (laughs) it's, yeah, yeah. It's because it's, um, like soulful in a way, but also it is, it is saying something and it's aesthetically Mm -hmm. a choice. Um, I don't think many people have that same skill of understanding and being able to portray their taste. Yes. Yeah. And you make a good distinction there with, there are people, there are a lot of chefs for whom it is, it's play and it's clear that it's play and it's, you know, it's artful in, but almost as like a a showpiece kind of a way, which is, has a ton of value by itself. But Daisy's food, you feel like you almost feel like you could be eating it at home, except it's, you know, head and shoulders above anything that you make at home or that I make at home. And it is beautiful. And the space is not, um, it's pretty simple, actually. Mm-hmm. Everything's pretty simple. And I even think about the way Daisy dresses. It's so artful and it's so simple. And I think that that comes through in in everything about the restaurant. Yeah. I think like through her experiences working um, in different restaurants, uh, she has been able to taste a lot of um, amazing food mm-hmm. and be able to yeah, portray it to her audience, which, um, yeah. I think is a a skill that not many people can, um, necessarily identify. Yeah. Yeah. So the kinds of, I mean, I'm curious, what kinds of things were you making at hotel slow versus at bells versus what you're goaling to do at Linnea's? Uh, so something that, uh, we talk about a lot as chefs and I feel like it comes up more often for pastry chefs, um, is that being able to create the right cuisine for the restaurant you're responsible Mm -hmm. for. Um, and it's, you know, there's always going to be a piece of you with it, but at the end of the day, uh, your vision needs to align with that of the restaurant and its concept. Uh, so I think at the hotel, uh, it was my first executive pastry chef position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of was just ready with all of these ideas that I've just stored up for so long, just flavors that I felt like should go together. Um, and just also, yeah, a lot of, uh, flourishes, you know, sugar work and chocolate work, all mm. of those things. Um, and it, it was a lot of fun. And I think my people often call my food whimsical. And I think it was really a, um, a, a true expression of that. And, and the hotel was a good fit for it. You know, steakhouses allow you to do things like baked Alaska yes, or this excess that I was really ready to do. Um, and, and it was nice to have a couple different, I've always, as a pastry chef, I've always had several restaurants that I'm working for at one time. Mm. So you know, it's been, it's, which is a challenge, but also, you know, you get to do different types of food and it stays interesting. Pastry chefs can pull that off because of the make ahead part, right? Yes. Yes. We, we do have that option, but it's also a, a financial situation. Mm-hmm. Most restaurants can't afford, um, a pastry chef that is full time for one restaurant. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, thank you. That's, that's <laughs> a good reality check. Yeah. Right. Okay. So so you at Hotel Slow, you're doing like, I love the word sugar work. I, I like, that should be the name of the band. Um, 
but you're able to do those really whimsical and like let your imagination mm-hmm. go. And so then at Bell's, what were the kinds of things that you were tasked with making there? Uh, so Bell's, I really was um, hoping to make things that, yeah, were a little more simple. Um, but of course, we're still as interesting in flavor as well as presentation, but something that is, um, there's no, there's no unnecessary things, you know, you wouldn't put a piece of glass sugar on most things because it's not really necessarily adding much to the, the taste of the dish. Um, so learning to have more restraint was something that I really worked on as well as learning more, French identifying desserts, <laughs> <laughs> um, which I, which most, a lot of pastry already is. Yes. Um, but, but something that, yeah, people could look at and say, oh, this is French. Yep. So I, I definitely worked on that. I have not been to France. I've been throughout Europe, but mm-hmm. unfortunately missed France. So, um, trying to, to make French bistro food was something I definitely was was trying to learn. But what I loved, really, really loved about Bell's, um, was the access to the fresh produce that we had. Um, Daisy would pick up from Finley farms every day. We would go to the farmer's market. Um, and there's a lot of great produce around there. Yeah. And like none better really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, other than here, it's pretty, it rivals. Definitely. Um, it just, they're, they're, bringing all of their most interesting stuff to the farmer's market. And also just through working with uh, the team there, I learned that I could use different ingredients. Um, one of the fav- my favorite things that I made there was a, a, a toasted fig leaf ice cream. Mm. And, that, and that flavor is something I haven't worked with in the past, but mm. um, using those kind of interesting produce flavors was something that I've always really enjoyed and it was mm-hmm. nice to return to the focus on that. Why, how, how does fig leaf work? Did you not use the fig itself? Mm-mm. So how, what's the difference there? So a fig leaf is, yeah, just the, the, the leaf from the tree of the fig. Does it taste like fig? No. What I does mean, it taste it like? It has a slightly fig flavor, yeah. um, but for me, it's like a magic hat of flavors. You know, there's marshmallow, um, people say coconut. <gasps> really? Um, yeah, it, it's just, I, I think it tastes like, t- especially when you uh, toast it, it tastes like tobacco. Yeah. Um, I think it's the most incredible flavor. I love it. Um, and it's something that, you know, a lot of farmers will happen, like you can just ask them, say like, hey, can yeah. I get some fig leaves from you? Oh, it's like a you? throwaway. Yeah, because, I mean, they might need to harvest it, but it's not something that most people are looking for. Mm-hmm. So it's a good work for them. Wow. How, how did you come across that? Did you see somebody selling figs at the market and you, and you said, Hey, I want to mess with the leaves. Um, I think that possibly, um, Daisy was very good at just collecting things and mm-hmm. seeing what we could do with them. And I think that might've been how it yeah. came about. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely other, uh, chefs and pastry chefs that use, uh, fig leaf. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's definitely not original to me, but it's something that, um, I feel like I was able to develop well and something that I will continue to use throughout my career. Yeah. Well, there's a fig tree down the street that's off the hook. Amazing. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> so I'm gonna what mess. you want. <laughs> I'm going to mess with those. Oh, that's so cool. Um, yeah. Now, never having been to France, I, 
I don't want to speak for anybody, but that seems like it's not a deal breaker because the style of food that Bell's does, yes, while it is very bistro, it's, it's, um, but it's got a tone to it that you could key into, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, they, they call it French, which is a mixture of French and ranch. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I think, I think definitely at the end of the day, it was, um, about locality and about being able to, um, highlight and enhance those ingredients. And that's something also that through some simplicity that you can achieve. Um, I, I love putting more and more things on a dessert and you can try all these different things together. But at the end of the day, uh, one flavor could be masking this part of the dish. That's like really telling a story. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where the simplicity and restraint comes in. Yes. Masking something that's trying to tell a story. Masking something that's more nuanced and subtle, Mm -hmm. that's more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I I hadn't planned to ask you this, but, um, my, my son's birthday is tomorrow and I, he's asked me to make a cake I've never made before. This is awesome that you're here. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) What can we do? Okay. So he, he wants a lemon lime cake. He loves Sprite and seven up, but he's actually a really he has a pretty refined palate for a 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. His his meal of choice is always caprese salad, which is like, yeah. that's pretty intense for a little guy. Um, so I'm kind of thinking of doing like a lemon sponge kind of thing um, and then doing like a lime fry. I'm just not a born baker. Do mm-hmm. you have ideas? What comes to mind when I say that? I think I would probably make like a lemon and lime curd. Okay. I think, yes. I think that's where you're going to get those flavors, and they're it's really the going to enhance that like tartness. Because he really he wants sour. Yeah, okay. and and you know that can work with. You could go a couple different ways, like depending on what time you have. You could you could make a tart, which is going to be classic and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also make something like a really beautiful parfait. Yes, where you can buy cookies and and make that and add it in and do a really cool meringue on top. What kind of cookies would you get? Mm, that's a good question. I probably would like a butter cookie. Yeah, I would thing? get a butter cookie. Okay. Um, I, I do love Nilla wafers. Um, I'm oh. from the South and banana pudding is, um, important to us. Yes. And I think that, and I've made a similar cookie in, in the past, you know, you can make your own, but something along that lines yeah. where it's just like, yeah. A wonderful vanilla cookie. <laughs> yeah. With a meringue on top. That's such a good idea. Actually. I wonder if he would go for it. If I presented, because I have this beautiful trifle bowl, actually, mm-hmm. if I presented it to him, would he be like, that's not cake? Yeah. But I, but I'm, I, I might. I, in some ways, I think if he, you know, it can be an insane, beautiful presentation. Yes, yeah. But if you want cake, it's, it's, it's not cake. So. Well, you can the always curd make, might be the key to everything. Well, what you could do is, yeah, make a vanilla sponge cake and then um, do a stacked cake and fill it with curd. Yep. I bet that's that would be awesome, actually. And yeah. just zest everywhere. Yes, so much zest. He's such a citrus guy. It's so funny. That is his love language. It's like oranges, grapefruits, limes, lemons. It's funny how some people are. It's like lemon is... I, I always ask people... I, I used to ask people if they like chocolate or fruit desserts, and then I realized mm-hmm. I needed to ask people if they liked chocolate or lemon desserts, because that tends to be the distinction. Really? That's what, that's what I find. There's people that 
like me, pretty much just want to eat chocolate. That's if, me. If, yeah, That's if there's me. a dessert, I'm not really interested unless it's a chocolate dessert. Yep. Of course, I, I try all of them. I, I feel it's my duty. Do you think of cho- vanilla as chocolate as well? Like those are the, it's, it's. I feel like it works with that. That dairy side of things almost. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or, or uh, caramely kind yeah. of um, wrap. I would say round that's rather than pointed flavors. <laughs> yeah. 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 But fruit desserts, that's so funny. When my husband and I were in Italy, we were there for six months and we had gelato every single day. And um, we totally fell into separate camps. I was getting, I was getting stracciatella. Mm-hmm. I was getting, you know, crema, all of those, mascarpone. Um, and then he was getting lemon, strawberry, fruits, mm-hmm. melon. Um, and I would go pistachio, you know, it's yeah, just, yeah. that is where I got, go toward maybe more fatty kinds of things. Um, but there was this one time I got, I saw this watermelon, beautiful looking watermelon gelato. It turned out it wasn't so great, mm. but I got it with like a dark chocolate uh, together and it was just awful. Anyway, he was like, just stay in your lane. Yeah. yeah. When I was little, I was always in the strong chocolate camp. Um, yes. and we would go to, we had, it was called marble slab. It was like cold stone. They put mm-hmm. it all together. And I was very committed to getting the double dark chocolate with gummy bears in it, mm. even though mm. the gummy bears get hard. I know and candy's frozen. no good. In ice cream. It's not good, but I think I tried it once and someone noticed that it wasn't the best choice. And so I stuck with it for the rest of my <laughs> childhood stubborn girl (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh South Carolina do you miss do you miss you must it's such a specific Um, culture I miss my family and I miss my friends a lot of my friends live in Atlanta now Mm. and they're the most incredible people I I visit Atlanta as well and it's an amazing city I hear that it's it's so fun if any if if you can visit it's 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 really great um and then the town where I grew up, it's changed so much over time. It was a really small mill town when I grew up. Uh, there was probably two restaurants in the downtown when we moved there when I was three years old. Mm. Um, and now it's like one of the fastest growing cities in the country. What's it called? It's called Greenville. Oh, oh. Yeah. wait. But there's another, no, I'm thinking of North Carolina. There's a lot of Greenville out there. <laughs> okay, sorry. There's like, there's, there's, there's like sometimes two in some states, I think, which oh, I don't know how no. that's possible. But, yeah. um, so it's, it's a place for young people now and it's, hmm. it's very different from when I grew up, but I, I mostly, it, it's nice to return sometimes, um, mm-hmm. and, and kind of work through like older memories and like, yes. yeah. Totally. Do your parents come here? Have they visited? Uh, occasionally. I, I have two younger brothers um, who are also out there, so I try to convince them to come out whenever I can, but yeah. it's a journey. I know. I know. It is a journey, totally. But I think of all the barbecue and, um, like you say, banana pudding. There's so many things you can get there mm-hmm. that are just like totally taken for granted that you can't necessarily get here. And I would imagine you miss some of that. Yeah. I just think there's a Southern identity, um, that, that isn't, uh, prevalent throughout, um, the country that, Mm -hmm. um, as, as far as food, you know, there's a lot of, um, foods that, um, and it's of course very localized depending where you are in the South, but like intensely localized. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think people just think also in food is, uh, like Nashville hot, hot fried chicken Mm -hmm. and that's wonderful. But, Mm -hmm. um, I think that someday the diversity of that culture will be able to, um, 
make its way across the country yeah. and we'll learn a little bit more about like what kind of foods we've been missing. There. Yeah. And Nashville hot fri- fried hot chicken in terms of San Luis Obispo is a very recent thing. Yeah. yeah. Like real recent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, any number of foods can flare up and have their moment here yeah, too. Yeah, Do you feel at home here? Is this home now? It, it definitely is. Um, I've spent most of my adult life on the Central Coast. Mm. And like I said, yeah, it wasn't necessarily a place I thought I would be. Um, I am a city person. Yep. I enjoy bigger cities, but it's also where I have found my home and I've found community and and even thinking about moving away, maybe even uh, different areas of the East Coast or anything, uh, something that always makes me want to stay is also our access to produce. Yeah. And there, there's truly not other parts of the country that have that same <laughs> yeah. kind of um, quality of produce that you we would can know. get here. You would know, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure in other cities there are access, but... I, I just remember being in Denver and them telling me, oh, these peaches are as good as South Carolina. And, you know, we had our oh. farmer's market for two months out of the year or something and, and being like, oh, these are, these are not as good. But yeah. California peaches certainly actually compete with South Carolina, which I'm very reluctant oh to say. Gosh, wow, that must be hard for you. It is. It is. I, I've put it off for a long time. And maybe it was just <laughs> this last season. But this last season, I was I was convinced. But but who knows? It could change back. Um, yeah, uh, at Bell's we kind of um, didn't share ingredients across the menu. We pretty much, you know, one dish if there was like a central ingredient like peaches, another yeah. dish wouldn't really have the same. That's interesting. Yeah, just yeah. To, so you're ha- you're tasting all different things throughout. And I'm pretty sure I took peaches the whole summer because they mean so much to me. <laughs> they do. I mean, so there's a case actually of a fruit that could, that could set me above the chocolate thing. Mm-hmm. I stone fruit is so, it's just so luscious and amazing. And it just, you feel so lucky when you get a good one. I know it's, it's like your people wrote poetry about these, yeah. you know, apricots. And, and, yeah. yeah. It, it's just, it's in, it's incredible. I, I love stone fruit in general, peaches being my absolute favorite, yep. but yellow or white, uh, yellow, same. They're the big, yeah. they're, they have a big personality. I love them. Yeah. And they just, they fit with so many different things. They have this like beautiful sweetness that you just, there's no way it can ever be fabricated it's soft, but it's also so tart. Mm-hmm. I know. I just, we have friends who own an orchard and I can get positively ill up on that hillside. I just love it so much. Um, and I'm being convinced about nectarines too, little by little. I do like them. I'll, I'll take them all, but yeah, right. You know. Okay. Um, tell me about where Linnea's, are you comfortable telling me and other people about where you want to see it go in terms of what you're making? And sure. I mean, I'm hoping that you're bringing some fun, some fun new foods along. Yeah, uh, definitely so far we've been focusing on um, the space and our coffee program um, and bringing lunch options back because, yeah, over COVID they kind of dwindled, went away. Um, So first we, everyone was really worried we are going to change everything, change the name, all of that. Which we sorry, I got into your DMs and I was like, hey. Uh, No, you, no, every, everyone did, Uh, which, which is fair. You know, it's a very important place. Um, But I think, you know, we have made some changes. We've um, done some small painting. We've replaced some furniture. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a, 
almost 40 year old space and it, it just needs some love. Yes. Um, and I do think that in order for a place to continue the same vibe that things do need the change because, yep. um, those objects that had meaning back in the eighties mean different to the people experiencing them now. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we want to continue that, um, yeah, vibe that everyone loves and cares about, but, um, in a way that, is translated to now without it becoming commercial or uninteresting or um, unapproachable. I don't worry about that with you. I feel like if people met you, heard this, they would know like there's nothing to worry about. I hope. um, You're safe. (laughs) But, uh, and then same with um, music and arts. It's something that went away over COVID and, and we're slowly trying to bring back as well as you know, making sure that we have the revenue to support it. So uh, yeah. we will add a small list of beer and wine provided that um, our application finishes going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, you know, not for this to be a bar, like you said. Yeah. Like, that's a very important distinction to us, but that we can support uh, the arts and the community that's mm-hmm. taking place there. And, yeah. yeah, it's a different environment than it was 40 years ago. That and will only add to it, I think. Yeah. I don't think that takes anything away. Yeah, we're hoping not. We're hoping that it is, um, we're going to make a small list that is not encouraging, you know, indulging in those things. But the same thing that everyone has done in the space is allowing them to enjoy time by themselves or yeah. with a group or watching a show mm-hmm. and just, you know, continue the peaceful atmosphere. Um, as far as food, uh, we've slowly approaching the challenges of cooking, trying to cook more hot food in this space. Yeah, it's so tiny. It's very small. Uh, we do have the kitchen off site, uh, but it's making things that, yeah, still have integrity um, from one place to another mm-hmm. and can be served um, by our team at the, the cafe. So uh, we'll, we're working on that. And then I'll haven't quite dove into the pastries yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like to at least start coming in, finding those ingredients that uh, I love mm-hmm. and that I think other people will love and bring them um, into those and continuing, like we'll always continue to work on the quality. That's something that, you know, just, just doesn't stop. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, we do offer something different than a lot of bakeries do in town. We have a lot of vegan options as well as um, options that are good for people that don't eat gluten. The, and oh, Linnaeus always has. Mm-hmm. Long before it was, long before you would ask, do you have any vegan food? They always have. And so that fits well with your Yeah. Aesthetic. And that's actually why I first went to Linnaeus was because mm-hmm. I was vegan and they had a vegan chocolate cake and yep. I sat in the window with my dad and we ate chocolate cake and that's an important memory to me. And I have also always believed that um, if you're going to cook vegan, then it shouldn't taste vegan. Yeah. Um, because that's how you're going to make people want to eat more that way. Yes. So we'll continue to make those things better and better, but I think they will always maintain hopefully like, um, some hominess, uh, yeah. because I think that charm is also something that people want. Um, especially, you know, we do get a lot of students and, mm-hmm. um, many of them are away from home and, to offer that. And it's not like just, a you know, rustic thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I've always just enjoyed the rustic, you know, I think yep. I might just be my, I, we call one of my grandma's Bubba. She's mm-hmm. Polish. And I think I've always just been a, a, a Bubba, mm-hmm. um, you know, for my adult life. Yeah. So. I love rustic food. I love it. 
and and Linnaeus has always been at the at the front of that for sure. Always had beautiful things that are simple um, and well executed, but it like you said, it's never been just about that. Yeah, yeah. I just think as we find out what we can do, I would like to make food that feeds people, you know, where they're getting nutritional value, but also mm-hmm. like feeling like they're eating a meal. Um, and yeah, it lacks pretension. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, well, as soon as I can, I'll start making sourdough again and offering that, um, as well as more food that is, um, approachable and yeah. affordable and things yeah. like that. So I'm curious about Alex. What mm-hmm. is the name of his, is he a solo artist or does he uh, Yeah. Group? So he goes by, uh, knock knock. It's N O K space N O K. Um, he primarily plays, um, instrumental, well, electronic music with instruments. He's okay. multi instrumental, multi instrumental. That's a tough word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he is constantly writing music, whether it's in his mm. head or in a dream, or he's just someone that that's just part of who he is. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, he, he, for people that listen to electronic music, he plays a wide variety from uh, more melodic to mm-hmm. dubstep to mm-hmm. house. So he's he's also someone that gets bored with one genre. So yeah. he's very expansive. But so it's not just like ambient stuff. It no. can go all different directions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's 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 you know it, we it's very lucky that um, that he is finding success with that. And it's just going to be interesting how those things grow together. Yes, totally. Totally. Oh, that's exciting. Okay. Well, if you, if it was your last day on earth and you're like, Linnaeus has done so well, I've loved working at Bell's. I've loved working at Hotel Slow. I love, um, you know, central coast and home and everything. Everything Mm -hmm. feels great. Um, what would you eat if you knew you were going to die the next day and what would you drink and who would be there? So I would probably have a bagel, an everything bagel with cream cheese really? from, from New York. Yeah, that's probably my favorite. It's my favorite meal. I love it. <laughs> what makes you think of that? What is it about it? Is it just, um, I don't I, well, know. Who doesn't love I everything? I just think like flavor wise, I mean, it, it is everything, you know, yeah. it hits all of those notes. And then, um, texturally it just every, every aspect is there. And there's some places that make great bagels, but I I am in the camp that you're not going to get a bagel like you will in New York. All right. Okay. Heard. Noted. (laughs) Um, No, but not to say there's not other great ones. No, Uh, I have no, I have no game in this or no dog in the fight. Yeah. Um, let's see. I would probably, probably drink, um, a vice beer, like a German vice beer. Yeah. That's kind of my favorite. Are you going to have that at Linnaeus? Do you think? Maybe we'll see. Hold on just a second. Sure. It's perfect. Thank you. Jane, just, oh yes, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. My son, uh, we're surprising him for his birthday tomorrow. Oh. We're um, keeping Lincoln Deli open for an hour. Oh my gosh. And having all the adults in the neighborhood and, and some kids, yeah. but mostly just adults to surround him and show him like there are other grownups besides mom and dad who care about you. And I mean, we just really do this street in particular is very village like. And so 
people are bringing by little notes what they wish they'd known when they were 13. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> so she's dropping hers off. She's so wonderful. Anyway. Oh gosh, that's so nice. It is, I hope so. I think he'll, he'll either love it or he'll like burst out crying like, why did you do what this is, What is me? going on? <laughs> oh, it's the previous. Yeah. Well, okay. So, um... Vice beer, are you going to have that on the menu? Maybe. We, we've kind of discussed what kind of um, beer and wine options we have. Uh, for wine, we definitely want to try to find producers and winemakers um, that we want to support and also want to partner with, mm-hmm. um, whether they're from um, the, you know, they're queer, mm-hmm. um, they're a person of color or a woman, um, something that... Um, is providing more representation in that world, especially because wine is pretty, um, I don't know what the right word is, but it's difficult to break into wine. Um, for beer, uh, you know, we'd like to do that. I'm not sure if I have knowledge of breweries that, um, represent all different people, but, Mm. uh, you know, we're thinking of maybe doing, Japanese beers. I don't know why. Oh my why. gosh, how fun. It just seems like it makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Okay, so sorry. Yeah. A vice beer. But I also, I lived in, I studied abroad in Germany and Munich mm-hmm. for six months, and so I have a special love for Germany. Of course you did, because there's that technical school in Munich mm-hmm. that has the Cal Poly yeah. Um, yeah. swap. Yeah. For my major, um, a friend and I were the first to go, so. Oh my god. Yeah, that's very cool. Do you know Brian Lawler? Was he ever yes. one of your producers? Yes. He's a friend of mine. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah he's, he's wonderful. a wonderful. I haven't seen him since I graduated, but oh. he's a wonderful person. His hair is as white and, and curly I, as ever. I figured he would be. He's <laughs> one of those people that's like a, a beautiful character. He you is. Know? He is a beautiful character, totally. Mm-hmm. All right, who's going to be there with you with this everything bagel and this vice beer? <sighs> that is a good question. Um, you know, certainly my family and... Um, my family, Alex and his family, my dog Ziggy, he's mm. one of the most important things mm. to exist for me. Um, and then I have a lot of friends I've been really lucky to meet from all over the world. Mm. Um, so it would be certainly hard to pick and choose. Mm. Probably invite everyone that I knew mm-hmm. um, because I find a lot of people mean a lot to me and, mm-hmm. and certainly in places I've worked like Bell's, um, every person there was a best friend mm. and, um, yeah, uh, best friends from high school, mm-hmm. you know, you get so close to people. I think working in, especially the heat of the kitchen, I yes. don't know. You just get really close to people. Yeah. Says someone who's never worked in a, in a commercial kitchen. You, you, you do. You also, you know, it's, it depends on which kitchen you're working in and how those relationships play out depending yeah. on, yeah, it could be the opposite, but I've been lucky enough, um, even in the kitchens where it was harder to come out with definitely more friends than yeah. people I wouldn't work with again. Yeah. Well, they would all show up because you would say, I'm dying tomorrow. I need you to get on a plane and come. And they would show up. I hope so. <laughs> I love ending on that morbid note. No, yeah. It's wonderful to talk to you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming. I appreciate it. Thanks for carving time out of your day to listen to Consume. If you like what you hear, it always helps if you rate and subscribe to the feed. To learn more about my guests, see their photos, and connect with them via their website or social media, visit letsgetconsumed.com. 
You'll also find a newsletter sign up if you want to visit from me in your inbox every now and again. Until then, I'm Jamie Lewis. Cheers. Cheers.